Hi, I'm Vanessa from the podcast Real Moms of Bravo. What happened with Lindsay and Carl? Or what's going on with the cast of Southern Charm? Find out on Real Moms of Bravo three times a week. Listen to us wherever you podcast. You're invited to I Am The Key One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hi, cuties. So going into the summer, Donnie and I pre-recorded several episodes, and the episode you're about to listen to is one that was recorded before the SAG strike started. So most of you are probably aware, but if you're not, let me give a little update about what's been going on in the entertainment industry. So right now, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA are currently striking because they want studios and streaming services to offer better pay, increase royalties, make higher contributions to their pensions and their health plans, and put safeguards in place for the use of AI in the industry. Donnie and I stand with SAG, AFTRA, and the WGA while they negotiate for a fair contract. So we're going to be figuring out next steps for what this podcast will look like during the strike. But in the meantime, do not watch this movie. Just listen to us talk about it. Hello, I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And we are here with the cutest one, and that is Eric Williams, host of That's a Gay-Ass Podcast. Hey! Oh my goodness gracious, what a gosh darn dream to be here, and I mean that from the bottom of my gay-ass heart. <laughs> thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank it's you. It's a fucking thrill. <laughs> so for this week, I knew you were our guest, so I was trying to really pick a gay movie that we could really sink our teeth into. So it was either Soap Dish or Free Willy, and at the end, I went with Soap Dish. So that is what we will be covering today. Wait, can you tell me, I mean, I love both options, <laughs> what is the queerness of Free Willy to you? I just feel like all gay kids are Orca kids. That's true. Yeah. Well, now we're all Orca people. Lately, we are. But I, I, I definitely did the full, like, Shamu splash. Uh, I definitely felt my heart tear open when that poor Orca was treated so horribly. <laughs> but I do think that Soap Dish was the right move and i thank you for that well of course if we're feeling festive you can come back for free willy some other <laughs> yeah we'll do it for shark week <laughs> oh love that yeah well this was my first time this was my first time watching soap dish and i treated it like chelsea was my child on christmas eve i was like do not come down the stairs do not answer any dms just watch the movie i don't want anything to be spoiled for yeah. you oh i can't wait to hear your response <laughs> i'm actually ashamed to say that i'd only seen it for the first time a few years ago because I've been a whoopee girl since birth through yes. and through. But Soap Dish was kind of outside of my experience. I just had not seen it yet. And so during the first year of the pandemic, what else was I going to do mm-hmm. but watch Whoopi's right. discography, if you will? <laughs> and so I'm glad I got to revisit it for this. And I want to know everything about a first-timer's experience. I didn't really know what to expect. Usually, and no offense, Donnie, except all the offense in the world, when Donnie's really <laughs> excited about a movie that I haven't seen, it's like a 50-50 split if I'm going to love it or like be sending him death threats via text message. (laughs) And then, like Donnie said, he was treating our joint outline like it was Fort Knox. He was like, don't look at it until you've (laughs) completed the viewing. I don't want to spoil anything. So then I was expecting like M. Night Shyamalan level twist. I was never, ever expecting (laughs) the way this movie actually ended, but we will certainly get there. But Uh. I 
freaking <laughs> loved it. I love this movie. I love the cast. Whoopi was MVP by far. Thank you for saying that. There were so many moments that were so iconic that I am about to make my entire personality. The memes will be coming. Uh, I felt alive watching this movie. That brings me such joy. <laughs> yeah, what a perfect reaction and response because honestly, with this type of film, it could go into hate territory only because of the mm-hmm. twists at the end. Mm-hmm. But I say this about any movie that is problematic with the right cast <laughs> and the right memeable moments it can make up for the way it has not withstood the test of time i agree and we'll talk to the cuties about what that twist is later obviously but i feel like we have covered movies like never been kissed where the whole thing is problematic mm. and you just can't get past it you're like oh my god everyone wants to fuck this high school student mm. but in this if you like go to the bathroom for two minutes you don't even know it's problematic <laughs> at the end we know that things especially from the 90s do not age well mm. like if you know something cuties from the 90s that ages well please slide into our dms because we've yet to cover a movie from the 90s that holds up from h to t as tyra would say like it's just part of it and part of i think our evolution as a society so you kind of have to go into watching any of these movies with the lens of like I'm going to enjoy what's enjoyable and I'm going to point out the things that didn't hold up because yeah. it was a problematic fucking time. I mean listen I have told this story too many times to count but my literal bar mitzvah theme was Austin Powers and if you think <laughs> that Austin Powers is an unproblematic <laughs> film honey. I need to see photos immediately <laughs> and I need to know the table name. <laughs> So let us jump into it. This movie was released in theaters May 31st, 1991. Backdraft, which I think is like a firefighter movie. I have no idea. We won't be covering (laughs) that. That was the number one movie in the box office. And Soap Dish was number two. Mm. I Don't Want to Cry by Mariah Carey was top of the Billboard charts. And the world was graced with the birth of two icons on May 31st, 1991. One, Farrah Abraham of Teen Mom (laughs) fame. And two, Azalea Banks. Wow. (gasps) Not the names I thought were going to come out of your mouth, but... (laughs) Even better than they could have been. (laughs) Even better. Were either of you teen mom people? It's one of those shows that through osmosis and through like the zeitgeist I have retained information about, but it was never a show that I watched. It plays a similar role to me that 90 Day Fiance does, which Mm -hmm. is that a lot of people feel very passionately. I know the backstory the setup. The man with no neck. <laughs> exactly. That's the first reference. Okay. It's like Bridgerton. I haven't seen it, but I know it exists. <laughs> at my bachelor party, this girl came up to me at the bar and she's like, I'm on Teen Mom. And I never watched it a day in my life. I just knew she wasn't Farah because I do know who Farah is. Mm-hmm. I could point her out in a lineup. But anybody else couldn't tell you their names, their kids' names, their baby daddy name, nothing. You just knew that they were Teen Moms. Yeah. <laughs> If today's episode makes you laugh or scream, do us a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A five-star review is the easiest way to grow our audience and this community. Thank you in advance. A little (laughs) background information and trivia. It was directed by Michael Hoffman, who also directed One Fine Day, which I love, and the Nicholas Sparks movie, The Best of Me. It was written by Robert Harling, who wrote Steel Magnolias, The First Wives Club, and was the creator of the underrated and severely short-lived TV show GCB. Good Christian bitches. Yes, that's the one. That's the GCB in question. The First Wives Club reference did me in. And also, 
did you also catch that Gary Marshall who plays the like network president? I feel dumb. But I'm going to admit this in a vulnerable moment on this gorgeous podcast, which is that I first connected him to Hocus Pocus, where he is like, you know, the devil, Satan situation of neighbor. Of course did, as did I. And then I didn't realize like he has directed and written so many iconic things. Yeah. I knew he was a director, but I just did not put it all together that this was that guy. I was like, oh, he's the guy from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Clearly. He's done a lot more than that. Well, here's the thing. I know everything he's done, but I still call him the guy from Hocus Pocus. Yeah, and if I can be vulnerable now, I think the last time he was mentioned on this podcast i was like oh the guy that plays Sirius black but no that was gary oldman so, <laughs> so just a different person entirely we're all here for each other uh-huh. <laughs> some more than others the budget <laughs> this makes sense but still hurt a little bit it costs 25 million to make and it brought in 36 million worldwide which isn't wow. great but like what do you expect kind of well it points to also the like economy of comedies but yeah. well, come on we need more comedies <laughs> with sally field carrie fisher post you know we'll get a hologram and like <laughs> yeah. bring out the stars in the comedies yes if they just brought every living cast member from this back i would watch whatever the plot is done yeah. anything done. just them like sitting on their phones scrolling instagram next to each other i would pay money to see in theaters a hundred percent but this God. movie does have a cult following yeah. i do think it's one of those movies that wasn't appreciated at the time of its release but now people are circling back and are obsessed i have to say i give it a bit of credit for my podcast starting because i started watching movies during the pandemic that i hadn't seen including death becomes her Uh. sorry sorry (laughs) but then i posted online that i hadn't seen it and i got a lot of reactions then i was recommended soap dish watched it posted about it then i started making videos about these gay ass movies and then my gay ass podcast came from that and the rest is history. So Soap Dish, I thank you for your cervix. I really do. (laughs) Okay. So Kevin Klein was nominated for a Golden Globe for his role and the American Comedy Awards, Sally Field, Kevin Klein, Whoopi Goldberg, and Kathy Moriarty were all nominated for those. Job well done across the board. Chelsea, your best friend, Roger Ebert, gave it, shockingly, 3.5 out of 4 stars. He loved it. He loved it. I think Roger Ebert just came out to us. (laughs) Oh, he did. He did. He did. (laughs) He gave it 3.5 out of 4 stars and said, this is the kind of movie that is a balancing act, really. If it doesn't work, it fails spectacularly, but it does work, and it succeeds in making its plot clear, even though the basic story device is unending confusion. Which, again, we know Raj loves a backhanded compliment. Loves it, yeah. (laughs) Okay, a little trivia before we move on. Reshoots forced Kevin Klein to drop out of Hook he was originally cast to play Peter Pan, but then because they had to do reshoots, they cast Robin Williams instead. <gasps> Wait, Wait, I have in my notes he's giving big Robin Williams energy. Oh, wow. Is it because of the body hair? <laughs> it might be the body hair. Am I? <laughs> yes, Robin. Uh-huh, totally. Mrs. Doubtfire herself. Hello. But I think also the way he was like presenting his lines was very much Robin Williams. And I mean that as a huge compliment. I love well, Robin of course. Well, they're both incredible. And the guy's a good enough actor. He probably would have been good in Hook. But we can't say a word against Robin Williams, who I told people was my uncle in college. <laughs> but he's not. The jig was up when they were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You both have really hairy arms. I was like, okay, I was kidding. <laughs> Enough. But my fake uncle Robin Williams was meant to be in Hook. 
And thank you to the reshoots of Soap Dish. Yeah. So Gina Davis was originally cast as Montana Moorhead, but she had to drop out because she was cast in Thelma and Louise and chose that instead. Okay. Fine, I agree. Yeah. But Kathy Moriarty said she's eternally grateful to Gina Davis to this day because this is the favorite role she's ever played. Okay. <laughs> Go off, sis. Besides the ending, oh, yeah. I would have fun too. And one last casting thing, Burt Reynolds was originally cast as Jeffrey, the dinner theater guy, but Mm -hmm. he had to drop out because his wife at the time, Lonnie Anderson, told him she would be the laughing stock of Hollywood if he took the role because he used to be in a relationship with Sally Field. So she was (gasps) like, I don't want you reunited in this movie. Wow. (laughs) I know. Thus proving... How fooked oop the entertainment industry is. <laughs> this movie is just an allegory. <laughs> Truly. And I think it would have been so cool because half the movie is just about like free publicity when people in your movie are like doing stuff like that. If it would have been life imitating art, iconic. <laughs> so there are two taglines for this movie. I'm going to give them to you one at a time and you tell me whether you're going to fuck and marry it or kill it. The first one is a deliciously malicious comedy. I'm going to fucking marry that one. I love a rhyme. That's cute. Kill. Okay. Kill them all. So then the next one, Eric, you're stuck marrying and fucking this. And Chelsea, you're killing it whether you like it or not. The second one is all that glitter, all that glamour, all that dirt. Well, I'm gonna fuck it and then kill it like JWoww. I think I just got fucked by that. I just bottomed for that one. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. I want to know before we jump into the plot of this movie, what character, if any, do you identify as? It's a devastating answer. I think we all have Sally Field in all of us, do we not? Oh, mm-hmm. We do. I said Sally as well because I do like to make it all about me at all times. <laughs> I said Kathy and Jimmy because she, oh she my God. put up with Celeste shit this entire movie and had zero problem with that. So, like, if I was the costume assistant on a Desperate Housewives reboot, and that was Terry Hatcher and Marsha Cross. They could literally spit on my face and I would still come to work with a smile. What a great <laughs> reference. So now, Eric, we've come to the part of the show where we're going to give you one minute on the clock. Use as much of it as you want. Two seconds, all 60. And give us a synopsis of this movie. Happy to do it. My friends, buckle up. Because Soap Dish is about how an entire industry preys on mental unfitness of people (laughs) who think they need attention, but honey, what they really need is twice weekly therapy. (laughs) Soap Dish also proves that transphobia, of course, has always been alive and well, and it proves no matter what happens on this planet, I'm talking politically, I'm talking physically, economically, no matter what, Sally Field is queen, bitch. (laughs) Also, slight caveat, this movie is about how great casting, again, can help us stomach the problematic elements of a 90s film. Thank you so much for the time. The floor is back to you. Wow. That might be our best recap of all time. It is history in the making here. I thank you for that. I put my heart, soul, and bussy into that. (laughs) (laughs) We thank you for that. (laughs) <laughs> no offense to any other guests that are listening. You all did no fine as well. No offense to them. 
step up your game, bitches. But really, this movie just like I could not stop thinking about how mentally unwell actors are. And I say this as one. They and we are not okay. Mm-hmm. And the first half of the movie, I'm like, God, they make Sally Field have so many roller coasters up and down. But then by the end, I was like, yeah, because that tracks because mm-hmm. she's not stable and neither am I. <laughs> right. And she's already not stable. And then they truly find ways to manipulate that. And that is, <laughs> that's real life, baby. Showbiz. <laughs> it's showbiz kid. It's also clearly, we don't need to get so deep into it, but I know that, like the movie was written by two men. Mm. The women are all backstabbing each other. And the man is only involved because he's been hypnotized by the Mm -hmm. lore of a woman's Mr. Fuzzy. That's true. There's a lot of dynamics that are interesting, but also truly confirms how the entertainment industry is just B.A.D. And don't be afraid to get deep here, Eric. We can go back and forth. We can take the roller coaster just like Sally Field's emotions. Honey. (laughs) Well, don't you think that Sally Field has proven time and time again that the girl can deliver uh-huh. and she is a queer icon because we have all been Sally Field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In this and Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And also, who doesn't want to sleep with Pierce Brosnan in Mrs. Doubtfire? Uh. I don't know about anymore. <laughs> Not an age thing. It's just like his energy now comes off a little like he's going to buy you a drink at a bar, but you don't want to drink it. <laughs> he's going to touch the small of my back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But Mrs. Doubtfire days. He could sure. stick his finger up my butt. I don't care. But oh, now, wow. you know. <laughs> And thank you for saying it. We were all thinking it. Specifically your butt. You can do three fingies. Oh, wow. For me. You can do one finger from each hand for me. Oh. (laughs) Double hook. (laughs) Back to Kevin Klein as Peter Pan. Circles become circles. Question for you both. Would you rather sleep with Kevin Klein in Soap Dish or Pierce Brosnan in Mrs. Doubtfire? Pierce Brosnan in Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, uh, decisive answer. So, Eric, this is the point of the show where I always am so worried the guest is going to log off. Part <laughs> of the premise of this podcast is I have many pop culture blind spots, did not watch a lot of movies growing up. Mrs. Doubtfire Chelsea. is one of Wait them. Wait a minute. It's on our list. It's on our list. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a beautiful opportunity. You're not canceled. This is a one door closed as another door opens. <laughs> I cannot wait to listen to the episode where you watch Mrs. Doubtfire. For, oh, my God. I can't wait. This is a good thing. So Chelsea can't answer. But Eric, who do you say? I mean, it's tough because growing up, my family would watch Mrs. Doubtfire a lot. And of course, Pierce was one of my gay awakenings. Right. Mm-hmm. Also being someone who like I myself have body hair and like hated it mm-hmm. until my adult life or like, college on. I struggle to answer because they're both Harry Kings. Uh-huh. But if I had to choose, yeah, I would rather Pierce, but I would definitely like give Kevin Klein my throat for whatever he wants to do with it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. The cast and crew of the hit soap opera The Sun Also Sets are mostly begrudgingly gathered at the 32nd annual Daytime TV Awards to watch Celeste Talbert win the award for the 12th nomination in her career. And right off the bat, this is when I knew, oh, I'm going to love this movie when they're like, bitch, hag, yes. I hate her. I was uh-huh. like, oh. All in. Yes. I do want to know, Donnie, one day when we win an Oscar, an Emmy, an mm-hmm. EGOT, etc., what would you say about me in your speech? Like, how would you thank me specifically? <laughs> Be specific with the nice things you're going to say about me. Well, of course. I would save the best for last. So you would be the last person I 
thanked and talked about. So after thanking God and my family and my Sunday school teacher and my third grade teacher who gave me that little fabric with Google eyes on it and made me realize I want to be a caretaker, all those things. Annie Camden, the important people. Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then I would say, and to Chelsea, and then they would play the music and I'd have to say, thank you. Go to bed, kids. (laughs) All right. Wow, played <laughs> off during the thanks to Chelsea. I mean, it's not me. It's the people. And then I would have to tweet. No, thread. Thread now. We thread. I would thread and say, sorry, I wanted to say more, but they cut me off. <laughs> That's why Chelsea's okay. one of the people saying bitch when I get my award. Hag. <laughs> yeah, bitch or hag. Which one? Which one would you say? I would prefer hag with an F, but if I can't get that, <laughs> I'll Hag settle. with an F. Oh, my God. Make this shirt. Make <laughs> oh, oh like an X through the H with like Love. I think I would call you a regular hag during the speech because I call you a bitch in like everyday life. So I would need to like step up my game with something special. We don't use hag enough these days. I feel like we should bring it back. I agree. Honestly, I kind of identify as a hag. Mm. Do you? I feel a kindred spirit in that way. Like Snow White's apple girl? Yeah, beggar woman realness. (laughs) I'm just missing two (laughs) Botox appointments away from being that Snow White apple girl. (laughs) (laughs) So when Celeste comes home to an empty house, it's clear that even her shelf of awards isn't enough to keep her married boyfriend around. (laughs) And it turns out her ex-lover isn't the only one who doesn't want her around because back on set, her co-star Montana Moorhead brings the show's producer David letters from fans begging that Celeste be written off and Montana become the new star. The viewers agree. Celeste Talbert is a menopausal hag. And it takes a very, how do I say, dedicated person to write fan mail. I know because I used to be a child that wrote fan mail. (laughs) Who'd you send to? Sarah Michelle Gellar. And she sent me a screen print of an autographed postcard back. Yeah, she sent that back to you. Well, yeah. Her people (laughs) sent me one that nobody even signed. It was like a picture of an autograph. But you know what? I still have it to this day. Honestly, that's nice that they did that. What did you write in this letter? I'm surprised you didn't receive a restraining order. Yeah, it was like third grade. I was full on crazy from sixth to eighth is like Mm. when I entered my perv era. So like Anyone that got fan mail from me during that time, God bless them. Were they (laughs) what gender? Female. Because at this point, I wasn't aware of what I was. So then I was hypersexual like with women oh my god i can't wait for your e-true hollywood story (laughs) if we can get our hands on the pervy shit used to send to like melissa joan hart oh (laughs) well in sixth grade this is not a celebrity this is someone that went to school with me i told her i had a titanic dream about her in a car (laughs) so so that's something and then i wrote i love you a hundred times on a piece of paper and put it in her locker and i already told the story so everyone else knows the ending she wrote on another piece of paper i hate you 100 times and put it in my locker my hero (laughs) what a terrible time to be alive though for anyone but especially if you're like gay and confused yeah because if i may when i was i think eighth grade the worst possible time to be alive (laughs) i had what i thought was a crush on this girl which turns out i just like wanted to be her friend and she was popular mm-hmm. I'm familiar. but a rumor was spread around the school that i had taken her photo and touched myself to it <gasps> and then it got to her <sighs> and her friend came to me was like so she found out about the photo and she doesn't want to be friends with you and oh! i was like well, by the by hun not only did i not jack off to that video i'm too busy taking videos from limewire that 
don't involve your kind, girly. <laughs> so, like, of course, it all blew over and it was fine. But what a devastating oh time. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than, like, a middle school rumor. Oh, my God. Ugh, Did you terrible. also in your school have – there's always one girl, I feel, that has the rumor that she threw up while sucking D. Oh. No, but there was a true rumor that – a girl in my grade, we were in seventh grade, gave a blowjob to an eighth grade boy in the bathroom, and then she was the only one suspended. He wasn't suspended. <gasps> Looking back, I'm like, fuck the patriarchy. Oh, my God. But this story prompted me to go home and ask my mom, mom, what's a blowjob? <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. fuck that school for only penalizing the penal <laughs> blower. But, okay. <laughs> Switching gears back to Montana, Uh I found a loophole for my blindness because I recognized her. And Donnie, I want to play a game. I want you to tell me where you think I know that blonde lady from. Well, I hope it's Casper because that's the only thing I know her from. No, I don't know if I've seen Casper. Wasn't she one of the ants from James and the Giant Peach? (laughs) No. In James and the Giant Peach, aren't they all clay? Not in the beginning. They're humans in the beginning? Yeah, they're humans, and then they transform to clay huh. after he eats those jumping green beans. But now I'm looking it up, and I'm just on a real streak. Who is it? It's not her. <laughs> Joanna Lumley? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a character actress. Just not the one in question. Somebody left a comment after watching one of our promotional reels of this podcast and said they've never felt more intelligent or like they have their life together. <laughs> and I just keep proving their point because every week I swear I get dumber. So live, laugh, love. I'm sorry, cuties, but you know what you signed live, up for. Live, laugh, love. By the by, I just got a similar comment oh, and I was like, honey, if I can normalize dumbness, yeah. then I'm doing my <laughs> hey, part. send yeah. them our way and then they'll feel like they've joined Mensa. <laughs> women in stem (laughs) (laughs) so montana and david make a deal straight out of cruel intentions if he writes celeste off the show she'll have sex with him more specifically she'll let him play with mr fuzzy (laughs) gotta love a transphobic little clue we're not there yet spoiler alert well jb fletcher would be picking up that clue she'd be knowing (laughs) apparently we're treating this like fort knox so no spoilers for the listeners lest they want to listen to us recap a movie before they watch it themselves but speaking of private parts with weird names Oh God! I'm listening. It's time for me to talk about Judy Bloom's Forever again for I think <laughs> okay. the 100th time on this podcast. But if you are familiar with Judy Bloom Forever, page 85, Ralph Michael, one of the characters, names his penis Ralph and talks about how it grows and it's a whole thing. But hmm. this time I'm not going to talk about how I was a perv with Forever. I'm going to share my husband, Dr. Bald's story hmm. with this. We were watching this documentary about Judy Bloom. They're talking about Forever and how it was like a sexual awakening for an entire generation of kids that were reading it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I listened to that book on tape with my mom on a road trip. Mm. Completely deadpanned. No additional information and I paused the film and I turned to him and I said what and he's like oh yeah I have vivid memories of listening to this with my mom but it was like a game of chicken where like his mom wanted to be I love his mom but wanted to be like sex positive so she wasn't gonna turn it off and then he wasn't gonna like acknowledge the awkwardness of it. So they both uh, just sat there. Like, they're just frozen. Blooms forever. Well, snaps to your mother-in-law for the sex positive yeah. of it all. Truly. How long have you been with your husband? 12 years. We've been married for almost So eight. listen, 12 years in and you're finding out new things. Thank you, Judy Blue. <laughs> new horrific things. New terrible traumas every day. That's beautiful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the Force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of two hundred dollars or more it's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high quality collectibles or you can gift it to that super geek in your life perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that i've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby yoda and again that i refuse to stop calling it baby yoda plus shopping at sideshow earns you five percent back in sideshow rewards meaning for every one hundred dollars spent you get five dollars back in rewards that can be used on future purchases while geeking out is its own reward your collection goes farther with sideshow so what are you waiting for visit sideshow.com promo code cute one right now and get ready to let your geek side show oh that's clever sideshow like sideshow.com I get it. So it is no secret that the show's popularity is greatly declining, with the lady who cooks sausages almost tied with their ratings. I want to know, do you think soap operas will ever be popular again, or are reality shows our new soaps? Because I do not ever want to get over the hope of seeing a Passions reboot? It's a really good question. I don't know if my answer is what you want to hear because while watching this movie, it really did remind me of how reality television has become the new soap. I mean, Mm -hmm. think about the press being drummed up about the real life behind the scenes. Like, that is what people crave. It's almost like soap operas might not be enough for people Mm. because we know that there is real life drama. Mm -hmm. I mean, hello, Kyle Richards and Mauricio. But like, can you imagine the same reaction to hearing about characters in a soap opera to what right. we felt when the news broke about them getting divorced and then not? I mean, come on. I don't know if soaps can get back to that yeah. level. I hope for your sake that they can. <laughs> thank you. Thank but as you. they said in the John Patrick Shanley play, Father, I have doubts. <laughs> I think that we've come to a place as a society where our appetite for drama cannot be satiated by like not destroying real lives. <laughs> I agree with Donnie and I'm like, let's get back to like monologuing while like looking away with Vaseline on a screen. Yeah. 
Is it just too corny? Is that why? Because I do understand everything we're talking about reality TV, but also like Euphoria and Bridgerton, like people are still into high drama shows. I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think soap operas now are not what they used to be, but like White Lotus could be considered mm, yeah. a potential soap opera of our era because it's like That's we're true. talking every week about what is happening. We are given high drama. We're given mm-hmm. camp. But it's just less Vaseline. I think the Vaseline's what I'm missing. And less long speeches. Yeah, and less, like, long-lost sisters. Actually, no! Our soap opera is Grey's Anatomy. Oh. Think of all the things that that hospital has been through. That is true. true. Long-lost sisters and comas and tumors <laughs> and shootings. You're right, yeah. A little bit of everything. So the head <laughs> of the network proves to be the Michelle Obama of daytime TV and informs the writers, when the ratings go down... You have to do something drastic. And this is the perfect time for David to pitch his and Montana's idea. Celeste will kill an unhoused person at a soup kitchen. Great idea. However, I think if I were to write someone off a show, I would make them like be stuck under rubble somewhere. This way, if I need to bring them back for ratings in five years, we can say like they were alive the whole time. We love a rubble clause. <laughs> I do find that that decision for the killing of the homeless person was questionable at best. It's the worst plan we've seen in a while, and we just covered Deep Impact, where the plan was to blow up a comet with nuclear bombs. So, like, that's really sad. That, to me, sounds better than this. (laughs) Yeah. But, Donnie, do you think you should be on the soap opera writing team because every week for our Patreon, patreon.com slash I am the cute one, <laughs> when we've been covering Seventh Heaven, you come up with better twists and turns than the writers ever could even dream of. Last week, he was imagining vampires in the Annie Camden Donnie. gang violence scenario. I just never watched Seventh Heaven all the way through. So my brain is a 2023 brain trying to give me 2023 drama and we're not there with Seventh Heaven. <laughs> and it just doesn't compute. And I'm like, really? reaching I'm like oh this is where Annie gets gang raped and then they leave her on top of the roof but it doesn't happen it's just a missing lunch (laughs) but as a gang rape is our A storyline they toe the line they don't thread the needle but they really try to go places Also someone that goes places is Lori Craven, a new extra who recently snuck onto set to audition for Carrie Fisher. When she looks across the table and says, I'm Betsy Faye Sharon and I'm a bitch. I was like, I love this movie. That is also <laughs> going to be my new email signature. Oh, it's I be. can't even like begin to think if I was like an actual like 12 year old gay boy watching this movie, I would tattoo those lines onto my arm. <laughs> Carrie Fisher, is, is she not like a gay I was going to say man in this movie, but there's something about like her cadence and her energy that's just so like fucking, I'm a fucking bitch. I love her so much. It's very Samantha Jones. Thank you. The writer of Sex and the City has come out and said like, I modeled Samantha after a gay man. And I feel like Betsy Faye Sharon is the same way. I mean, the guy that she fucks in the casting room comes right out of (laughs) (laughs) SeanCody.com. And comes on it, too. Mm. So Lori is the lucky lady picked to be Celeste's victim, an unhoused deaf mute. But when filming for the scene begins, Celeste breaks the scene because she recognizes Lori as her niece who dropped out of college to pursue acting. And if we're being honest, I do not blame Lori for dropping out because as it is, I changed my major in college three times. So I clearly didn't know what I wanted to do. Now imagine if I was a Nepo nephew of someone in Hollywood, I 
would be Billy Eichner right now, or at the very least, like <laughs> Ross Matthews. But instead, here I am. <laughs> my thing is, okay, you can just go anywhere in Hollywood and be like, by the way, this is my aunt. But hmm. if you're going to audition for the very show your aunt was on, I would assume I'd be like, hey, I'm here. Get me an audition. That's yeah, true. why do you think she doesn't? Is she like trying to like prove that she can do it otherwise? Oh, maybe. Maybe she has self-worth and self-respect, which I can't relate to. Same. I don't know, though, because she was watching her on the red carpet, and that has nothing to do with getting the audition. That's just soccer. <laughs> yeah, that's just her lurking on her family. Yeah. The person who plays the niece, performance-wise, how do we feel? Good actress? No. And I think that, yeah, she's the weakest link for sure. Isn't she in Back to the Future? Like, Back to the Future Oh, 3? my God, you're right. Yeah. Well, she was better in that. Towards the end of this movie, I think she sort of, like, gets her feet underneath her. But for the most part, I'm like, honey, you are performing with right. A-list. Well, I think that's the problem is that she was performing yeah. with A-list. Yeah. So, like, comparatively, she was never going to rise to the top of that bunch. Would yeah. Parker Posey have done it better? Oh. Like, I don't know who it would have been. Yeah. Well, the answer is yes. But I don't know if she was being plucked right. for these kind of roles at that time. Or this is after Steel Magnolias. Let's just plop Julia Roberts in. Oh, my God. She would have killed. <laughs> but you can't fake this kind of chemistry. So when the head of programming sees the two of them together, he scraps the murder storyline and hires Lori as a series regular. In need of a new plan, Montana and David decide to call the former soap star that Celeste had an affair with and had fired 20 years before, Jeffrey Anderson, who now spends his days at a dinner theater in Florida and sleazily hits on car dealers at a bar after the show, admiring their beautiful hands. So... Ew, first of all. But then this did prompt the question. We asked our cuties, what is the weirdest pickup line you've ever given or received? And mm. there may be worse than this hand thing. <laughs> the first one is, somebody said, you look like my second wife. I'm still married to my first. <gasps> no, nothing Man. like just putting it out there that you're a huge cheater to make me want to sleep with you. Right. Um, this next one, did you fart? Because you blew me away. Uh, I made out with him 10 minutes later. He must have really beautiful <laughs> eyes or something. I hope so. I heard you're looking for a stud. I already have the STD. Now all I need is you. <gasps> Unfortunately, I would have made out with that person oh, 10 no. minutes later. Because <laughs> we love a wordplay. We do. <laughs> a couple more. A coworker tried to get me to go to his house because he had just bought a bunch of fruit to change the flavor of his man juice and he needed somebody to tell him if it worked. I did not go. That's just go to HR. Just have HR on speed dial after that one. Yeah, the fact that it's a coworker is what makes that bad. Oh my God. I would do the Pepsi Coke challenge with. A little spunk. <laughs> okay. Have you ever been fucked by a Ninja Turtle? He hadn't, but I changed that. It was Halloween. What? So he went up to a guy. He said, have you ever been fucked by a Ninja Turtle? And that guy hadn't at that right. point, uh -huh. but he got to. Okay. <laughs> okay Listen, whatever is under the Ninja Turtle costume, I would love to find out. <laughs> and the sheer gall and googery, goobery, gaggery. <laughs> I would have then gagged on Michelangelo's turtle <laughs> time nunchuck. Do you think that it was a sexy Ninja Turtle costume? Like just booty shorts and a bare chest and like a shell? Or do you think it I was full costume? I'm picturing character. I'm picturing mascot. <laughs> like the 1992 movie. Yeah, head to toe. And I hope he kept it on during the experience. Yeah, nothing but a dick hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
this is not really a pickup line, but there used to be a guy in college that I would fool around with. And whenever he came, he would tell me he was going to marry a woman. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. I love that. So sweet. Isn't it? Yeah. Wait, would it be like as he was coming or just like right after, you know, I'm going to marry a woman, right? Sometimes during, sometimes after. Holy cow. Yeah. That's commitment to the craft. <laughs> Every time. But the first time we ever fooled around was when I was dressed as Regina George on Halloween. So from the back, I think I looked like. Maybe he There's could marry so a woman. so much to unpack. But Donnie, you should do, it's a reverse pickup line, but when people tell you in Wawa that you have beautiful eyes, you should take the line from this movie and They're say- They're nothing compared to my tits. <laughs> That's good. But I'll just say asshole. <laughs> Can you imagine like a sweet old grandmother coming up to you as you're waiting for your like breakfast sandwich? She's like, you have the most beautiful eyes. They're nothing compared to my asshole. <laughs> and then say it as Samantha Jones. Oh, that's brilliant. After David promises Jeffrey a Broadway one-man production of Hamlet, Rod Randall is back from the dead, and Jeffrey has plans to ruin Celeste's life the way she did in the past, starting with seducing her niece. And when Lori doesn't listen to her warnings to stay away from him, Celeste finds herself spying on the pair and getting stuck on his fire escape. And when she's stuck up there and yelling for help, all these neighbors are like, shut up out there! And I wish New York was like that. I've lived in New York for 13 years. I used to live above a nightclub club and nobody ever yelled at people to shut up <laughs> maybe it should have been me but i was looking for backup have you ever had a i'm walking here moment almost hit by a cab <gasps> no my husband's a repressed catholic from georgia and he mm. doesn't canonically yell but the one time that he almost got hit he told me that instead of saying i'm walking here his only reaction was to slap the back of the car oh i do like i said that. you told him honey <laughs> You told him. No, I bet the taxi driver thinks about that often. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, ow. (laughs) Ow, my my taillight. So with Celeste's jealousy, now public knowledge, Montana and David write a scene for Jeffrey and Lori to kiss. And with cameras rolling, Celeste tells him she can't kiss him because she's his and her daughter. America's Sweethearts has ruined three lives. Three lives! And this is when I texted you, Donnie, and I was like, oh my God, I'm a genius. I figured out the twist. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And then... Two things. Number one, Donnie said, wait, which part of the movie are you at? Because can you imagine if I had guessed the ending? But number two, am I a genius or is this the type of movie where you're supposed to know the twists? Or have I just been watching enough passions that I like immediately saw her and was like, oh, daughter, secret daughter. I think it's a mixture that you are a genius and it's passions because my dumbass has seen the movie and I still get oh, oh, wow. But I have the memory of a goldfish and I moved to LA where I smoke a little more weed. So maybe it's my <laughs> short-term memory loss, but that's neither here nor there. I think you are a genius is what I'm saying. Thank you. Now, see, I think it was very obvious, but also shocking. Like, it's weird. I hmm. think it's a hybrid of like all the clues are there and once you've seen it once then you can watch it and say like oh these are oh yeah screaming in my face but this was my first time donnie so i mean i understand that prize of some sort i will and that's the fade off music i was just about to give you well you know how liam neeson says that he has a very specific set of skills no i've never i think that mine is for the all the movies that i haven't seen i've watched every single one 
one of M. Night Shyamalan's mm. films. So I have been training for this my whole life. I am always looking for a twist. I am always guessing the twists that are coming, even if it's not a movie that has a twist. My husband loves that about me. So I think as soon as I saw her, I was like, uh, Martini with a twist, please. Shoot. So you knew it pretty early on. As soon as she had that one scene with Whoopi where she was like, have you ever done something bad to a family? Yeah. I was like, oh, daughter, daughter. God, daughter. I really am dumb. I'm dumb, dumb. Because I was just like, <laughs> yeah, of course I have. Well, I also brought James and the Giant Peach into this recap. So, you know, we all have our journeys. We all have our <laughs> No, you're about even. <laughs> yeah. Our combined IQ is four. <laughs> David tries to use this as a way to fire her, but this is free publicity and ratings are through the roof. So Celeste is here to stay, as is Lori, who is now America's newest sweetheart. And when Celeste apologizes to her using dialogue from an old episode, brilliant behavior, by the way, she discovers the lie that he also got Montana pregnant. Lori has had enough and delivers an ultimatum to the head of the network. Celeste and Jeffrey go or she goes. And the network decides the best way to announce who will be leaving the show is a live show, of course, with all the actors reading their lines from a teleprompter so that the secret will be kept until the last minute. What are your thoughts on this? As a monstrous actor myself, <laughs> I find it very logistically difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a gorgeous idea. And I do love that they go off script and then just start improvising <laughs> out of character. But for a, an element of a soap dish movie, I mean, come on. Uh-huh. It's perfect. I, God, I love would... It. Eat this up with a spoon, I think. Just knowing that one of these actors is going to be fired at the end of this episode and you're going to find out the same time they did, I would have a viewing Mm. party. I would make merch. Well, it's soap opera meets game show. Ooh, yeah. Meets Bravo. Uh Because these actors are finding out in real time through their characters if they will have a job tomorrow. Well, they did that on SNL. They literally had their last sketch be like there was a fire and it was like, which one of us will survive? And they then fired the majority of that cast and (gasps) most of them did not come back the next year. And can you imagine like working for a high stress environment like SNL and your last sketch be like, I wonder if I'm going to make it. Have a good summer. Hags. Hags, Lilas. Well, to make it full circle, (laughs) Uh it reminds me of in Austin Powers where the way that employees are fired by Dr. Eve is where he presses a button, they go back in the chair and they go down in the flames. Well, Dr. Evil based on Lorne Michaels. Actually? Actually, confirmed really? his impression of Lorne Michaels became Dr. Evil. Okay, oh. mm-hmm. this gosh darn podcast, you are both amazing. The more you know. The more you fucking know. I have a very specific set of skills, M. Night Shyamalan. SNL. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I think you are actually a genius, but you're probably so smart like me. We sometimes sound dumb. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take now it. Now wait, though, Eric, because <laughs> okay. just a few weeks ago, Chelsea informed us that Christopher Columbus ate dinner the day of 9-11 on the Titanic. So is it like that kind of fact, Chelsea? I or got is this it real? right in the end. It was James Cameron. <laughs> it was a whole thing. I get the nuggets of truth. But no, this is like confirmed. He okay. has done interviews about it. Wow. Thank you for that. I'm going to 
not stop talking about it and then inevitably <laughs> tell someone that I knew it the whole time and I came up with it myself. Oh, yeah, please, please. <laughs> and then we're going to air a clip from this during your live episode, Eric. Please, cancel me. We don't need a yearbook from Syasa. This is how we can. <laughs> so during the live episode, it is announced that Lori's character has brain fever and will be the one to die and be written off the show. So Celeste goes off script and offers her own brain for a brain transplant. Moved by her selflessness, Lori breaks character and tells her parents that they can't leave the show. Montana, desperate to get them to leave, repeats the lie that she is pregnant with Jeffrey's baby. But it doesn't last long when Whoopi Goldberg and Terry Hatcher bust in with an old yearbook from Syasset, Long Island. Hello. And reveal that Montana cannot be pregnant because in a twist that ages like the original blockbuster, she is transgender. Now, I will quickly speak so that we don't focus mm-hmm. on this long because I want to focus on the twist as little as humanly possible because it is I think the most problematic thing we've covered on the podcast but instead I do want to talk about how incredible (laughs) Whoopi is in the scene and just the movie she's so good in this movie and thank you for saying that I've gone on record she's the person who made me gay Sister Act Mm. 2 is my bible and Whoopi Goldberg in this movie kind of confirms that she is everyone's best friend biggest cheerleader Mm. smartest person in the room best taste, great fashion, hilarious as can be, and can do no wrong. Also, quick caveat, Terry Hatcher does great in this movie, too. I feel like she's a little bit of an unsung hero. Uh Mm -hmm. But Whoopi is everything to me, and it is such a gift to have seen this movie for the first time in recent years because she's excellent. She is, and she looks so hot in this movie. I love her Mm. hair. I love her costumes. But also, you said Whoopi can do no wrong. I thought my whole life that the thing Whoopi does wrong is walk in heels. But then when we see her walk in heels in this movie, I'm like, that was a character choice in Ghost. I thought you were walking like a horse because that's how you walk in heels. But really, that's just Oda Mae Brown, how she walks in heels. That's That's confirming Whoopi does the work. Final thoughts. So if we were to bring this movie to present day, who would you cast in a reboot or what would the plot of a sequel be? I've got a sequel plot for you. Because I do think when you have these A-listers recasting it, anything I came up with was not inspired enough. So my Mm. sequel idea is that Whoopi Goldberg's character obviously has to come out as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And through her connection to the queer community, she ends up righting the wrong that happened to Montana that not only gives Montana this like huge star-making role, but it also reveals that, sure, Montana was treated horribly back in this time, but because she's still an actress, she's just as awful as the rest of them. It's called Soap Dish 2, Back in the Habit. (laughs) I love that. So it was announced in January 2022, which more time has passed since we've heard about it than I would be comfortable with, because now I think it's just not going to happen. But it was announced that a television series was in development at Paramount Plus, and Whoopi was coming back as executive producer and to play Rose again. So no she way. would still be a writer on the show, and then everybody else would be like new characters on the show. Hell yeah. I love that. I would watch it in a second. Okay, hey, listen, listen. I'm not going to put all my eggs in the basket, but I am going to reserve one for a small wicker basket because it's the same thing with Sister Act 3. I feel like Mm -hmm. I've heard year after year after year, Mm -hmm. and I cannot hold my breath but i can certainly hope i'll try to hold my breath and through an act of god hopefully 
I said all of the original mm -hmm. actors because I agree, Eric. I think you can't recast it. It has to be everybody. Yeah. I think do it in the style of the show Unreal where it's like peeling back the layers of reality TV, but have mm -hmm. it be a soap opera, like have it be a soap uh -huh. opera about a soap opera, but it's the behind the scenes drama. It's about making the soap opera, but then have like those can't be on the nose moments of like a monologue to the camera, looking away, having like, you know, a drink in your hand and throwing it at somebody like have all of the soap opera moments, but have it mm -hmm. be a drama that takes place weekly. Love that. I'm telling you, genius. <laughs> Genius. Will watch, would watch. I'm about destroy. to just like kidnap you and have you be my daily affirmations, Eric. Are I've you never kidding? felt better after this 50 minutes. My goodness. And you should because I'm like, honey, the gold <laughs> that is dripping out of your mouth. Oh, see, that's because she's used to me and I just shit talk her for an hour and a <laughs> He's going to log off and Google that Austin Powers fact and it's going to like be debunked two hours ago and he's going to like this bitch. No, it'll be debunked 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, wait, both of you said you would not recast it and that's probably for the best however i did Ooh. so as Whoopi, i casted Issa ray mm. it was between her and kiki palmer either way we won here as montana i casted a real transgender actress however i think her being transgender as an actress yeah. is just what it is mm -hmm. we don't need any reveals we don't need to make a joke of anything mm -hmm. it will be mj rodriguez then this is where we start to go downhill i think those two i'm really good as Lori, the daughter that is dove cameron as celeste i think someone that can really sink her teeth oh, into no. comedy or drama she was the emmy nominee perhaps you've heard of her mandy moore <laughs> I, oh Christ. my god <laughs> mandy moore no, but i need you to sit with it for a second like no, when no, you I will. hear I will the say. name yes we laugh but i do think she could chew that scenery can no. you name what what comedy has she done? Saved. But she was the straight man. No. Hillary Faye is not the straight man in Saved. Okay. I hate when mom and dad fight. You think I crashed my man into Jesus? Well, yeah. You think that is the straight man? Okay. All right. All right. We'll have to wait and see. I will certainly let Mandy Moore audition, and I will watch Thank that you. screen test with <laughs> bated breath. Okay. I'll allow it. Also, it's okay when mom and dad fight if dad is correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Continue. Well, what about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster? We obviously know the big blockbuster <laughs> elephant in the room. We mm -hmm. didn't need barfing. We didn't need it to be the literal punchline of the whole movie, the big reveal. And then I think for the last scene, it to be a continued punchline of like now this person is using their dead name and performing because they've been outed. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just yikes all around. But I think that there were a lot of elements about this movie that aged well. The cast, the camp, the chaos. I loved it. Oh, come on now. And the obsession with celebrity gossip and drama. Uh -huh. Salacious trauma that yes. we're eating up with a spoon as these people are going through the worst moments of their lives. Mm -hmm. I think it all ages well. Literally everything except those two minutes with Montana ages perfectly. Yeah, and I think it also <laughs> is very timeless about how much behind the scenes gossip people really, especially in the entertainment industry, but anywhere, mm -hmm. when you have problematic behavior with like a diva or whatever it is, I think this specifically shows how unwell 
Hollywood or, you know, mm-hmm. the entertainment industry is. I also love that it shits on dinner theater. I think that holds <laughs> up. I think Kevin Klein and underwear holds up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Harry, representation matters. It does. Thank you. <laughs> it's just a beautiful it's film. So a good. beautiful I'm film. I'm rarely going to thank you, Donnie, but thank you for... No, I think the movies I make you watch from this era, you will thank me for. Like, we have Beethoven. We have Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, let's not bring Beethoven into it. Beethoven's second (laughs) is top Oh, God. I can't wait for what is to come (laughs) for you. (laughs) Anyway, that is the end of our time together. Eric, before we leave, first of all, thank you so much. This is wonderful. thank you. But besides a thank you, where can everyone follow you, find you? support you well first of all this podcast is such a treat i'm so thrilled i got to come on you can follow me at eric wills on instagram and i host that's a gay ass podcast you can follow us at gay ass podcast on the gram and can't wait to have you hopefully listen if you enjoyed we will talk to you later love Love you like a sister sister. Bye. bye Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you later. later. Love Love you like a sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.